Hello, and welcome to another Frame by Frame. I'm Phil Spencer. And I'm Kirsty Alsop. Actually, we're not, but we're posing as property evaluators in Amateurville, New York. Yes, what we thought we'd do something for the community. We're, um, we're going to try and find another house in Amateurville that's haunted to try and take the heat off, off the, Amateurville the, house. the Amateurville house. 112 Ocean Straight Avenue. Straight away, so if, you know, it doesn't really matter if we say it on a podcast or not. No. Because it's, you know, straight away it's even in its own featured feedback box on Google. You talking to me? Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? Well, who the hell else are you talking to? Talking to me? No funny how. I mean, funny. I'm Peter Vink. We all go a little mad sometimes. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! If they bought right, if they were that bothered about pestered. Yeah. You'd, you'd make sure that was removed, wouldn't you? Well, they did change the address. They tried to change the address when um, the first tenants after the Defoe's yeah. moved. Oh, not, not the Lutz. The Lutz. Uh, when they moved out, they, they did change the address of it. So it was kind of a private location that only post offices knew about. Right. And pizza delivery guys. So, yeah, but that obviously didn't deter people from knowing exactly where it was. And I think, I think to be honest... It, it, it probably goes in waves. So we're here in Amateurville, New York. Yeah. And uh, we're gonna we're we're, we're kind of um, gonna be joining up with this this tech group of of savvy ghost hunters who um, who know the area and they've given us a few pointers of where to look. Um, but um, really, you know, we were really here to kind of talk about the the film Amateurville Horror and to talk yeah. about ghost films. Because what what's interesting, you say Amateurville now is not a town. No, it's a house. Much like Vietnam, it's not a country; it's a war. Interesting. Yeah, you know what I mean. So we need to. I suppose 112 Ocean Avenue is not a snappy title. No, no, the, no, no. The, the 112 Ocean Avenue horror is not as snappy as the amateurable horror. But that's the that's the one thing that I thought about was that you know that the actual title of the film is the Amateurville horror. <laughs> It's the kind of house they don't build anymore. A relic of a time when the world wasn't in such a hurry. When there was still time for a little charm and elegance. It has stood empty for a long while. And at the price, it is a bargain. For a growing young family, it is almost too good to be true. What do you think? I love it. James Brolin, Margot Kidder, Rod Steiger, in the Amityville Horror. God's peace in this house.
I'm coming apart! Oh, mother of God, I'm coming apart! Twenty-eight days after the Lutz family moved into their dream house, they were running for their lives. What happened to them is an experience in terror you will never forget. And you will believe in the Amityville horror. From the best-selling book that made millions believe in the unbelievable, the Amityville horror. Yeah. Like a haunting in Connecticut, could, it has quite a big uh, ground to cover. Yeah, Connecticut is quite a large Massive. place. <laughs> but if you put it down to Amityville, then you're literally saying that there, there, there is this house and it's at the centre of Amityville and this is where it's going to happen. I don't think the location was, was uh, you know, for Poltergeist. There was no specific location for that house. No. Or that Indian burial, burial ground. Other films, the, the Exorcist, and we know it's Washington, D.C., but there's no specific address in the title or any other way in the film where people can actually just go and find it. I mean, obviously, it's going to be on some sort of a map when you get there because it's, it's an attraction. Yeah. But another thing, I, I, like, I like that you mentioned The Exorcist because one of the main things I like about The Exorcist, it's in the middle of a city where all this is happening. Yeah, she, yeah. You know, she has neighbours next door, but no one can help. Yeah, It's exactly. this, this incredibly bizarre, paranormal event is happening in the middle of a bustling city and I suppose with the Amtal Horror mm-hmm. yeah it does not matter it's not like a huge town it's a small town small sea f- uh, uh, yeah sea town yeah. it's a very um, a, di- a different town it's a seasonal town yeah I'd say that they're, you know, it'll be like dead as a dodo in winter and uh, I don't know when the actual events took place if it was a, a seasonal thing there was a lot of rain in the film uh, yeah yeah, yeah. A lot of rain, yeah. So what? All right, specifically then the film. <laughs> yep. What do you think? What do you make of it? Um, Let's talk about the film and then talk about the actual story. Yeah, I, I like. There's a switch on there. That's just a motion sensor. We're in the house at the moment, and we're kind of. Is this not a ghost detector though? Did I just pick up a spectre that walked past? Don't, wor- don't worry about it. We're not. That's what we're supposed to be looking for. Ghosts at this. This house in Amateurville yeah, that's fine. not 112 Ocean Avenue. It's okay, we're, we're good at this shit. We'll be fine, we'll catch them later. It's not as if it's an isolated incident. Yeah, you're trying to find ghosts and then we get actual evidence and you ignore it. There's no such thing as evidence, you, it's only you, data. You, you should work on Most Haunted, you should. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, the film, I actually, I enjoyed the film. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like, is, is it James Brolin and um, Margot Kidder? Yeah. Who, every time I look at her and I hear her voice, I always think, "Yeah, that's Lewis Lane. Lewis Lane." Yeah. She doesn't. She doesn't do. She hasn't been in a lot of movies where she went nuts, didn't she? Um, I think. I think she had a, a well, maybe a nervous breakdown. I'm not sure, but um, maybe it's it's kind of like the Carrie Fisher thing, maybe where um, substance abuse. I have no idea. I'm just. I'm just guessing. I just. I seem to remember reading that she like turned up at someone's house in like underwear or something, and she was very. Um, she, she, I think she had a nervous breakdown. And again, what always happens is people mm. say, oh, it's because she did that. The because she, because of the Amityville horror, yeah, yeah. Like the little kid out of Poltergeist. She yeah. died and they say, well, it's because of... Nothing to do with a rare genetic disorder, no. No. No, no, no. no. 
Um, of course, then you got Twilight Zone. Vic, whatever his name is, gets ma- massacred with a helicopter in a, in, a, in a stunt. Actually, dies on the set. Of course, it's cursed. The Omen. The Omen Let's was talk massive. About this. The yeah, Omen this was actually great. massive when it comes to curses. That um, there's. A, have you seen that documentary about the Omen? I've not. Well, I've got the Omen DVD, and uh, there was a there was um, a piece about it and, about the, and the, the, the car accident that happened. At, and they were exactly six hundred and sixty six miles, miles kilometers away, away, wasn't yeah, it? From from the house. I mean, it's, I, I, it's a huge coincidence. It is. But coincidence happen all the time. But then, if if you if you found if you measured all the different things on that day, maybe the the temperature was six point six six. You know, maybe the speed that they were going was was clocked in at 66.6 miles per hour yeah. maybe they'd um, maybe they'd left the house 66.6 minutes ago yeah or uh, they, they were you, you know, know they, what, there's so many things you can find that could instantly once be once I'd, um, I'd done a gig and I was driving home and I'd just got home and my mileometer went to 666 miles yeah so I went around the block <laughs> <laughs> years well, later I was watching QI and Stephen Fry said, right, what's the number of the beast? And everyone was like, oh, 666. And he said, well, no, it's not. They found an older transcription, and it turns out the number of the beast was 616, not 666. Yeah, yeah. So it's been wrong all these years anyway, so it doesn't matter. It's a fixation on a number. And what what are numbers? It's a concept that we kind of devised ourselves. Yeah. Uh, numbers, uh, I mean, not, not that we can't say that we invented numbers. You know, quantities are, you know, are, are a thing that can only be... Uh, manifested if there's a, a I mean do do cats count how many biscuits are in their bowl I doubt it uh, do they count how many how many um, enemy cats are in their garden I doubt it no. you know they just say oh lots going on out there <laughs> I'm not going to count <laughs> I'm, just gonna, to I'm count. just gonna I'm just gonna fuck off really quickly <laughs> um so yeah I mean I mean it's something that it's a concept that we devised it's a man-made thing it's like mm. any superstition um, you know, and you know, obviously, superstition does affect people very strongly. It does, and with going back to the amateur, time is a big aspect of it. The quarter past three in the morning, where he wakes up every morning. The quarter past three in the morning, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is the time Witching where. Hour. Well, that's allegedly the time where Ronnie DeFeo shot Ellie's family, oh. and that's the time where George Lutz is it George? Yeah, he wakes up. And it, it's quarter past three in the morning. To be honest, Lutz sounds like um, you know. I know we haven't talked talked much about the film yet, but uh, George Lutz sounds like a guy who is who when he moved into that house, he knew exactly what had gone on. Mm. I think it's rubbish that he hadn't been told. Yeah, um, I, I think he was obviously well researched. He's able to write books for heaven's sakes. Well, they even say in the film where she's like, "Oh, I don't know, sure about moving into this house," and he says, "Well, come on, walls don't have memories." This, we're getting this house for such a bargain price. Let's move yeah, on. exactly. And I think he's he's purely just cashing in. That's that that Lutz guy is just purely cashing in on a, on a on a on an idea to sell to sell books. I don't believe his story. Well, apparently though, quarter past three in the morning is a complete is some it's an is an antichrist time because allegedly Christ was crucified at quarter past three in the afternoon. Right. So. Satanists use quarter past three in the morning as like the anti time against Christ. Antichrist. Ah, right. So, wow, they got they got that down to to the minutes, even though they they can't agree as to what 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 
Jesus looked like and whether dinosaurs were in the Bible. But yet they know it was quarter past three in the afternoon. Wow. What was his last supper? His last supper? What did uh, he have? He had fish and chips. That sounds good enough to me. I believe that. Yeah. I'll take that to my grave. Well, when it turned up, it was, just, it was just bread and water, but he turned it into fish and chips. <laughs> and vinegar. Yeah. yeah. That's where the wine was, yeah. So. Oh, that, the last supper <laughs> painting is shit. <laughs> oh my god. <coughs> yeah, that's quite a statement. You wouldn't eat like that. You'd be it's, around and everyone would be having a laugh. You wouldn't be like that. Yeah, that. that and to be honest, I... And yeah, everyone doing, you know, and then like, everyone's sitting around and and Christ is doing the <laughs> arms thing. I don't, you think we do with your arms? Well, I think I, I just want to do... I want to put my arms out. Well, I'll put my arms out. You can't put your arms out. That's I'll a top table out. for a wedding. He was at a wedding. That's that what was it was. He was at a, a wedding. Yeah. Sorry. Doing a lot of moving here. Don't worry. That's a, It's a very squeaky chair and a very squeaky house in the middle of Amateurville, New York. Yeah. Um, Kimmel, he did this great thing. <laughs> he was asking um, stoners like like questions that they just didn't know the answers to. Yeah. And he went up to him and says, um, name four Renaissance painters. He's like, uh, no, man, I don't know any about that. He goes, name me four Teenage Ninja Turtles. Leonardo, Raphael, <laughs> Michelangelo, Donatello. <laughs> Genius. So good. Oh, I loved it. That is hilarious. It's really good, man. Brilliant. Clever. Yeah. That's smart. I like that. Um, so, the uh, film. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, there is no... Uh... I'm a bit jet-lagged because of getting to Amitable, so I'm a bit little wired. Of course, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's the Japanese crackers that they serve on those... Um... KML flights. Yeah, KML. what do you think about KML. We, We're getting abducted. Yeah, the week before. I, did, I had no... The two weeks before. I had no... Because um, we're putting the stand-up one the week oh, after. Oh, I thought we were kind of storing those for winter. <laughs> for when we're cold. For, for when we're cold and when we actually have the guts to actually do the stand-up at the end. Anyway, yeah, sorry, yeah? Yeah, well, I wasn't jet-lagged at all. No. But going to America, I am. It's weird, isn't it? Anyway, I don't know what they did to us. <laughs> oh, yeah, tiramisu. Yeah. Um, yeah, right, focus. Focus, yeah. Um, the, the, the film. Uh, there, there's a, uh, I, I, I actually put out feelers to uh, um, Alexandra Holzer because Hans Holzer was the uh, uh, her father. Yeah, he was he, the author of... The author of the book about the um, the Defoe's and uh, mm. you know, the um, the book that the second film was based on. Yeah, the possession. The possession, and um, I saw that as well. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if Hans Holzer would have been quite so proud of that film, but uh, yeah, that's an interesting point um, because I'd watched the Amitable when I was probably about four thirteen, and it scared the bejesus out of me. Yeah, right? yeah, and then. When I watched the Possession, it scared me even more. Yeah. Because as a kid, I had the the actual concept of being possessed by something. To make is, you... It's terrifying to me. Then to kill your family. I don't even is, go that far ahead. Maybe even, I'm just selfish, but I mean, just the idea of being taken over by another entity So being forced to eat a custard cream is just enough, you know. Yeah. By, by, uh, Awful. Eat a custard cream. Yeah. <sighs> Drink that tea. Oh, it's I, don't, I don't like tea. I don't like tea. Murder your family, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a horrifying thing. But yeah, uh, and it's not—it's no joke. But I recently, <laughs> I recently went back to Amitable the Possession. Yeah, and it's a very bad film. 
it's not like the first one. I mean, the first one had a lot of weight to it because of, of the, the performances were good. Yeah, very the good. The children were very good in it as well. Yeah, I found yeah. that, you know, you find that children are a hit and miss in, in films. Hmm. The majority of the time, however, the casting of children in horror films is, is amazing. Yeah. And they seem to, you know, they seem to know how to find the right children to be in these films. And they freak you out more than the adults. And the, because it's been done to death now, but the little girl who has this imaginary friend that yeah. the audience know all that friends that are imaginary. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah and, yeah. you know, and you're just talking to him and say, I love that part where she's like, um, what's the, I can't remember what she calls Imagine Friend but she doesn't like that Imagine Friend doesn't it, like George it was Jodie the real film was Jodie <coughs> but in the new film because the Def- uh, in the second film they don't call them the Defoes they call them Marcellas yeah, yeah, like yeah. so I can't remember the, the names because it's all changed around to protect the uh, the people mm. I guess they just didn't have the rights to the names but yeah yeah but yeah it's, it is freaky and the film it builds perfectly the first film, yes. Yeah, it yeah. really does. It's, you know, they really put time and effort into making a, a genuinely creepy film. And that that's the thing about uh, when you look at Dark Skies, you can, um, as we reviewed earlier, I mean, yeah. they, they had the thing, they tried to do the same thing, building it up, but instead of bees, they had birds. Instead of, you know, they, they have the same concept as Poltergeist with all the furniture. Mm. Um, even though that, that seems to be a very odd thing for an extraterrestrial to do. Um, so they're kind of stealing from the, they're stealing from the horror, the ghost genre, which yeah. is the poltergeist genre, which didn't make sense. I think they just wanted to put all the things that they liked about, you know, Birdemic, of course, is a definite inspiration for. I mean, I mean, the birds is a definite inspiration um, for the bird scene, and uh, oh, of course, but absolutely, you've made you know, a really good point there because Dark Skies is amateurable. But with extraterrestrials, but with extraterrestrials, of yeah, it is. Yeah, so it, it's a very you, know, you can tell that films that don't have the originality anymore. And this back in 1977, I mean, obviously they've had The Exorcist already. Uh, no, 79. This film, mm. um, they've had The Exorcist already. They've had Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, they've they've started to get into all these B movie horror films that would have been kind of filtering through from all those different uh, films. Yeah, of course, the innocent was out long before then. And that yeah. kind of, I think, was the start of all the uh, the, the real kids. the creepy kid horror. Yeah, yeah. Um, but really nowadays, uh, it's so oversaturated, so overblown, and everybody who's anybody um, who has a camera, the first thing they think about is let's make a horror film. Mm. And unfortunately, that's why I find it very hard these days to kind of latch onto anything that's believable. Luckily there's always the exception and we, we do have one in our midst when we talk about Borderlands yeah we'll get to that but um, yeah Amityville well, there's, there's a lot of, so so tell me Andy I think we've discussed the film um, tell me a little bit about Amityville the place because I mean it's a beautiful place it is beautiful I think that's weather. kind of why it might have been such a huge deal because it seems to be one of those places where everybody knows each other yeah. So a new family moving in to Amateurville, everyone would know, oh, there's a new family moving in. Yeah, yeah. You know, and um, like you said, it's a seafaring town. I would imagine a lot of its money comes from tourism. Yes. That kind of thing. Um, but I was, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what uh, Alexandra Holzer said about, because uh, I, I, I listened to one of her conversations with Mike Roberts. The, yeah, just uh, to say, sorry, in a, te- in a 20... Oh, yeah. 2010 consensus... There's a population of nine thousand five hundred twenty-two. 
That's oh, right. not a lot of people at all. No, but it's very spread out. Yeah. And there's lots of there's lots of water canals and 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 uh, not canals, but you know, water water geographically rivers. <laughs> I mean, it's a small t- it's a small town, and Alexandra Holzer um, said in, this, in a conversation with Mike Roberts that uh, that people are sick and tired of. Out of the Amityville horror house being the only thing of interest, yeah. But there is, you know, it has a history. It does have a very, very deep history, and uh, it, it is a very, very old um, town. You know, it was founded when uh, the 1600s is when first where settlers first came to it. But it wasn't originally called Amityville. No, it wasn't. It was called Huntington West Next South, which doesn't sound as catchy. I mean, if if the film had come out and was called the Huntington West Next South um, horror, horror. <laughs> then, then it probably wouldn't have been as... But then, that sounds like a town. Amityville sounds like a, a house, I guess. It sounds like a community. Yeah. It sounds yeah, like yeah, Pleasantville, so. you know. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything with Ville makes you think of picket fences and uh, a nice, you know, nice place. Amity is the reason why it was called Amity, because they were having... A conversation about what what to call it was that was that the whole reason or did somebody say we could do with a little bit of amity because there was a lot of um, you know amity means uh, cooperation I think it's a bit, yeah uh, maybe they watched Jaws maybe that was it yeah yeah, yeah. but um, the, the year before the no that wouldn't have worked but Amityville is a, a tourist destination yeah uh, but it has been ever since the 1900s even before the Amityville horror um, which makes it makes me curious why it was chosen. Um, I mean, I mean, the Defoe's, of course. That was the reason why it was chosen because the Defoe's good. I mean, there there are murders in houses all across America that must have been, you know, where where someone goes nuts and murders their family. I mean, it happens mm. um, probably more frequently now than it did before because everybody's got it in their mindset because it, because of media and mass media culture and yeah. Um, but it, apparently in the 1900s it was a very popular tourist destination because it has very large hotels and, and large homes mm. so the rich and famous used to flock there uh, yeah Annie, you know Annie Oakley was a popular uh, guest at Amityville right yeah so um, and a Baldwin was born there wasn't it Alec Baldwin was born in Amityville um, Al Capone had a house there well that's the place to move to then isn't it Will Rogers um, also lived there um, he had a house there too Right. So I mean, it's it's you know, but you can you can call out any town or city in America, and somebody famous would have been there sometime. Mm. But you can see why it became such a big thing. By the yeah, by the nineteen seventies, it changed. Yeah, because of the book. the The book and the film obviously changed everything, you know. And uh, apparently, um, the neighbors are sick and tired of people coming over and uh, taking bits of the house. Apparently, they they steal a piece of the house. <laughs> Um, just to take it home with them, or uh, drunks would often be found lying in in the in the field, shouting obscenities at the house. Really? Um, yeah. Wow. Um, but uh, yeah, but apparently after the after about nineteen eighty seven, you know, about well, about a decade later, it calmed down a bit. But apparently, neighbours are quite hostile when people come and say, "Oh, I want to come and have a look at the house." But I suppose you're going to move into a house that's so notorious. Yeah. You're going to have to accept that. Yeah. And I'm sure that people move into a house, get it at a reduced price because it comes with that. Yeah. And I'm not saying, you know, it's right. I'm just saying, 
to... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying. I know, I know exactly what you're saying. It's basically, if, if you're going to be, um, you know, if you're going to be there looking for a house that's in Amateurville and you choose that house, you've got to expect it. You've yeah. got to expect it. Im- imagine living in that house. If you've got a time, any, any specific time where you're the only person, like your family's out and you're the only person in that house, whether you believe in the paranormal or not, you're going to be freaked out. It's a huge house. You're on your own in that house. You know what's happened. You must have read the book. Yeah. Imagine reading the book in the house. Do you know what? I actually read The Shining in a hotel. Silly man. I was a night porter in a hotel and I was walking corridors and checking, you know, it was a, you know, and I thought I'm going to go Come read The play Shining. Come play with us, Stephen. It was great. Come play with it, us I, forever. I like, I like to do things that kind of, it's like watching 13 days uh, whilst flying over Russia yeah. in a plane. That was, you know, I, I like to kind of, experiment with that I, I read Jaws whilst being eaten by a shark wow <laughs> <laughs> rule of three man rule of three yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the first is okay the second is okay the third is always absurd <laughs> um, but uh, yeah yeah so really I mean there's not a lot to really say about Amateurville I mean it's it's, it's you know it's a, it's a good film I think it's a good film. It's generally it's really it's creepy. Um, I mentioned the soundtrack that like a child. There's yeah. always something freaky about kids singing. It is, and uh, Poltergeist took that as well. Yeah. But, but the thing is, the innocence again. I think that film set that up. Yeah. Because that that melody in that film, God, that that was sung sung so beautifully and, and so creepily. Yeah. Um, but right. Let's talk about the real amateur then. Do you, do you believe that the experienced paranormal I... events, or do you think it was completely made up to write to make money out of a book? Yeah, I want to think that it was completely made up because they there were there were already rumours before the Lutzes moved in to say that uh, that there was you know possession. Because the thing is, if you're if you, I don't know, it's, it's, it's in the Bible Belt, right? I, think, would you, I would say that they I, would I be religious. Would be, yeah, yeah. So anybody who shoots if, their family. In fact, the film sort of goes. They, yeah. They obviously they invite a priest to the house, don't they? That famous scene. Yeah. We go when he's trying to bless the house, and all the flies come on him, and then that that voice. Get out! Get out! Get out! Oh, yeah. that is a that's a creepy scene. It is creepy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's that's it. I think that. As soon, you know, if you actually took religion away from it, then nobody would actually make the connection with possession. The idea that pe- people cannot fathom the notion that somebody would kill their own family—I mean, mm. that is an unfathomable thing to think of. And, something and he, must, something else must have controlled it because they don't want to think that that could well, happen. Well, he anybody. still says, I'm not, "Is he still alive?" But yeah, I yeah, <laughs> but he said he's just said that voice in his head told him to do it. Schizophrenia, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. But um, what I find interesting about the night he murdered them, he went while they were sleeping and shot them while they were sleeping. And yeah. If I, no matter how big a house is, you're gonna wo- get waken up by a gunshot. One gunshot, somebody would have heard it. But yeah. everyone stayed asleep. Yeah. They were all shot in the bed. Unless they, unless they, unless he shoots his gun a lot. At night, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Kind of thought, oh, they woke up. Oh God, he's shooting God. again! What a silly. Yeah, Let's go back to sleep. Maybe, maybe he was just you know. Maybe there is a lot of uh, I don't know. 
Unless, I just find that interesting. Yeah, that there might have been some sort of a sedative involved, maybe? Perhaps. That he... some other... Have you ever heard anyone question that? I don't think so. I don't think so, but it's very interesting because I can't I can't imagine not waking up after hearing a gunfight. A gun, gunfight. Yeah, <laughs> a gunfight. Gun, you know, because that, that, you know, I wake up to the sound of, of um, a cat walking across a piano and I, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you would. I did. I yeah, do. Absolutely, you know what I mean? So, but, so that's a very interesting point that you've actually pu- pulled out there because if it, if it seemed to be such a, a, a premeditated thing, mm. then it sounds like that they could. I mean, did they do a drug toxicology uh, examination of all the the, the, the victims? Was there some sort of a chemical involved? Yeah, exactly. Or, or was it simply, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, how do you sleep through a gunshot? I don't know. But you know, and then the reports of. Um, um, the the fail ah uh, Ronald the Ronald the fail that's it yeah mm-hmm. um have you read the book I haven't read the book yeah it's, 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 I, I suck at reading books I know somebody who would have read the book who it's know, okay it's okay but but yeah he, there's reports of him waking up and his wife is literally levitating right and um, he had to like pull her back down he looks at her face and her face was all distorted and stuff and things like that were happening allegedly. To the DeFeos. To that's the DeFeos, that. yeah. Mean, facial distortion is kind of like, you know, it's a self, it, it could be a manifestation of his own mind. Of uh, course. Because uh, he seems to be the only person in that house who, who was going crazy at the time. Yeah. If there was something else going on, wouldn't other people feel it? Wouldn't they be experiencing things? Well, everyone were apparently experiencing something. Yeah. The look kid- at them, they look like a happy family. Well, they were happy until they moved into that house. Yeah. So what was it? Because they only lived there for, what was it, about a week they managed? And then they had to move out? The Lutzes. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's a hell of a price tag to buy a house. And then leave. And then leave. So did something happen or was it just... Did he think, well, let's let's do this. Let's, you know, there's an opportunity. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine that you can't move into that house without having some sort of an, uh, a sense of of wow this is amazing but then to be to be the kind of person who does do radio do do interviews it's like Travis Walton he's very he's very affable very present he's very um okay with the media he's very uh, out there mm. um convention he's always signing things you know he signs things from from the film fire in the sky and his book as well yeah um and the same with the Lutz you know they they seem to be they seem to find fame and fortune very comforting yeah and very uh natural it's not as if they're timid or shy or don't want anything to do with it don't want to i to, to for my money i would be, i would have believed them if they just didn't want to be spoken up to or didn't have a book wanted everything to just go away and wanted to be left alone that to me smells like somebody who actually has experienced something in fear and actually isn't trying to make anything from it mm. unless they're just thinking well you know this happened to me I've had a really bad time at this I deserve to make I some deserve money, to make some money yeah. out of it so I don't, I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with that yeah there's nothing wrong with it but and then the you got time. the demonologist who works on the case yeah she was quite she was, uh, she was famous forgot her Warren, name Warren uh, yeah uh, um Lorraine Warren that's um, it yeah. who, keeps, who keeps coming back to the house and using the house as a part of it she won't go into the house though oh, she she... Went, no she's been into that house and she says the stuff that she experienced in that house 
and how she felt she would never go in that house ever again. Okay. Now, whether she... Did Ed go in there? Ed, Lo- Ed Warren? I would imagine so, yeah. But she didn't. Because they all went to... No, she went into the house, but then would never go back in yeah. ever again. Okay. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's so it's difficult to know. It, it, Yeah. Like I always say, you've got what they say here, what the naysayers say over there, somewhere yeah. in the middle is, is, the truth. is the truth. And yeah. whether the paranoia is, we thought we'll buy this house and it's so cheap for what it is. Still expensive, but for what the house is, we'll buy it. It might be just what they wanted, right? By yeah, the but water. then the actual paranoia that someone was shot in the creeks start to take over. Financial problems start to make him paranoid. He starts to become this irritate, irritable, wired. Yeah, he's, he hits the kids that he's never, you know, he's never been like that before. Yeah. But I in the film, I love the scene where the finally, you know, the walls are bleeding. It's yeah. always good in the film. Yeah. Oh, walls oof. bleeding. And, um, you know, the doors are all smashing and he's like, they get, and I've always, any film that's centered around a dog, you've got me. And because they, they get off yeah. and they have to go back for the dog and you're like, no, don't go back in the house, don't go back in the house. But he goes back to save the dog. Well, it's like, it's like that. Ripley going back to save the cat. Yeah. Love it's it, that, love yeah, it, yeah. I love that, because it, 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 it seems to be, oh, oh, forget about the cat, forget about the dog, but no, 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 because it shows that they've actually got a heart beyond human yeah. uh, need, that their heart is bigger than that, that even pets are important to them. Mm. And uh, I think it's a, it's always a strong motivator. I never question that. Yeah. yeah. I'd go back for the cats. Yeah, and it's where he, he goes down the stairs, doesn't he, and he goes through the stairs into that big sort of vile of blood. It doesn't he? And he's trying to get out of it. It looks like the dog's attacking him, but the dog's actually trying to help him out. And yeah, he gets the Do you dog. Know what? I, I actually thought the dog was possessed. Oh, did you? For the for the yeah, I thought there was kind of there was kind of like that that ambiguity at least. Well, yeah, yeah I'd say yeah, so because yeah. I always thought the dog was trying to protect because the dog was always trying to get into the cellar all the time, yeah, up yeah. to the point with scratching and making his paws bleed, wasn't it? Oh, he was always yeah. trying to get into the the cellar, and. Um, yeah, you have remind me now, the scene where they actually smash down the wall and make it down there when the friends have come over to visit mm. and a friend gets possessed. What's going on? You all gone mad? George! she's like quite psychic and into you know she feels oh, presence yeah yeah i remember the intuitive yeah into it intuition yeah and she gets slightly possessed and uh, yeah so andy yes before we go off the subject we need to give uh amityville, uh, amityville a little bit of a and, campaign shall yes we? okay so we have different some... reasons to come to Amityville. Different reasons to come down to Amityville, yes, yes. Okay. Reason number one. Burger's Brother Camera is a long-established photo and video supply store for all your photographic needs. Uh, with friendly, knowledgeable staff who understand that photography doesn't begin and end with digital, 
They also provide everything from darkroom supplies to stargazing equipment. They also do an impressive job of photo restoration, handling everything from blow-ups to slides, with additional facilities for transferring your old videos to di old videos to discs. Burgers Brothers is located on Main Street off Broadway, Amateurville, and if you were in any doubt, let me tell you now, these guys know cameras. Hey Andy! Hey! Why does the word dinghy have a silent H? I don't know. Well, that H is for Hooray for the Dinghy Shop! The Dinghy Shop is a family-run business renting and selling kayaks and sailboats, providing moonlight excursions and a family atmosphere with all dedicated service and ex expert guidance and advice. Andy, tell me about your experience at the Dinghy Shop. I bought my first kayak, a Hurricane Aquasport Phoenix 140, there in 2005 and returned this past summer to buy another sit on top a tandem perception tribe for my wife and I too enjoyed together we couldn't be happier with the level of service and as the value for money that's right and as Andy very eloquently uh, told us there that the dinghy shop know their products and will go the extra mile to make your visit and purchasing choices that much more memorable. You can visit the dinghy shop at www.dinghyshop.com or if you're in Amateurville area, head down to 334S Bayview Avenue, Amateurville, New York, 11701 for your set. So the innocence. Well, yeah, I think one of the um, this, first uh, real sort of would you say psychological horror definitely is. I mean, it's the it's a 1961 black and white um, film with Deborah Kerr, and uh, apparently the, the the headline of the poster was "You'll get the shock of your life." But back in 1961, that probably would have been quite a profound film. It still stands up now. It's still yeah. It's all about I creeped out. Oh, absolutely! It I thought I, could, I thought I'm going to be able to watch this at night because it's black and white and it's old. Yeah. It's not going to scare me, but it didn't so much scare me. It just kind of plays with you. Oh yeah, and yeah. it's the it's the music that plays with you. It's the stuff. It's the music, and it's the the mastery of well, the stuff you don't see. Yeah. yeah, the thing that's lurking in the corner you don't see. Brilliant camera work. Yeah, shadows. Oh, fantastic. And I find that Jack Clayton is one of these unknown directors who really, really knew how to do modern film. 
I mean, if you're looking at 1961, it was all showtimes and and gangster pictures, and uh, they were kind of just breaking out of the uh, studio system slowly. Yeah, and dialogue was always there was like no breaks between dialogue. Yes, did you get what I mean? So like, scene starts, scene ends. Yeah, and be like, talk, talk. hey, little Janet, why are you so lo- why are you so late? I'm so late, Daddy, because I've just been in some sort of thing. Oh, yeah, that's right, little Janet. Well, you should have told me you were going to be late. I told you I was going to be late, and there was no gap. There was no like you. Normal speech wasn't like that. No. You know what I mean? You're like, right, little Johnny, why are you late? Oh, I'm sorry, Dad. That's the way it w- yeah, a so normal I, speech is. Well, you know? Hang on. Hang on, I'm concentrating. You know, they yeah. did have moments of, of just, yeah. But the innocence is like... I like taxi driver. Yeah, the innocence is really well executed. It's real. You feel it's a real situation. Exactly, exactly. And uh, there's, 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 it, it has a lot of influence that I can imagine that this film, uh, but it, it's not talked about as much as say that Rosemary's, Rosemary's Baby, and is, uh, which is kind of like being said to be the the horror film that started off the whole, you know, mm. fear of, of of the unknown horrors, you know, the horrors at home kind yeah. of situation. But this really, uh, this is it. This is so much more. Um, the the. Uh, yeah, I, I actually love this film. Yeah, based on a book called The Turning of the Screw. Which is really? A very that's, good book. That's a popular book. I've heard yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah. Who wrote that? <laughs> <laughs> Henry James, damn it. Henry James. Yeah, Henry James. Um, but yeah, I, I was surprised by it because I'm, I'm not only surprised by the act, the way that the film made me feel, but surprised that I hadn't actually seen or heard of, about this film before. Mm. Nobody's in my in the history of, of talking about film has anybody said, "Oh, The Innocence, you should watch that." Have you seen it? I would never have known about this film for one for my friend Matt. Yeah, who um, I think it was when he was living in Cambridge, he just got this. Black, I was like, he wanted to put it on. I was like, oh, black and white film. I want to watch that. Yeah. I want to watch a good horror film. Well, yeah. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> I mean, it, it blows you. Seriously creeped out watching it, thinking, wow. You know. It blows you away when you find films that nobody actually ever talks about. And you're like, oh, this this is mine. I can I can actually use this. Uh, it's like the film Experiment in Terror. Nobody ever um, talks about that film. Right. I find that very effective psychological thriller. That makes you know, but um, we'll, we'll hopefully be able to look at that. Well, that's weird because I've never seen that, and you've never seen the Innocence until I recommended yeah, it to so you. I so think... there we go. We, we, we can pay pay it forward, pay it back, pay it forward. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is yeah. it film? Yeah, for ones of a yeah. <laughs> I'd rather just you show me yours and I'll show you mine. Okay, let's okay. piss and see which one goes further. <laughs> let's play that. But they really um, uh, play on the uh, the kids performance in it yeah fantastic and we've already said that that casting in horror films when it comes to children it's impeccable and mm. and and i don't see many films where they get that wrong no but, but this is this is basically the benchmark that says these kids can be creepy it's not all chitty chitty bang bang or mary poppins these kids can be in a film like this and they can be effective yeah and especially the really playing that pseudo sexual thing that, yeah, very well. You know, like when a little boy kisses her in the mouth and stuff. And yeah, that that. But that's very. Uh, that's a very theatrical thing. Well, I think a yeah. lot of that, the aspects of that, came from Truman Capote. Yeah, his input into the script. He wanted to really hone that in. Yeah, it's it's the um. There is an actual expression for it. The Oedipus. It's the Oedipus uh, complex. Complex. Yeah. Yes, that's it. 
um, where you know it's it's the Hamlet who falls in love with his mother. Mm. Um, yeah, and and it, it's 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 a very because she's a mother figure. She's not necessarily the mother, but it's still that unusual. Because uh, I was actually surprised by that mm. uh, because it's like this is 1961. Damn it, they can't show that. Yeah, I mean it's seriously ahead of its time. Ahead of its time, yeah. And the the actor, the the boy especially, mm. he, he seemed like he was a, an adult in a child's body. A poem. What shall I sing to my lord from my window? What shall I sing for my lord will not stay? What shall I sing for my lord will not listen? Where shall I go for my lord is away? Whom shall I love when the moon is arisen? Gone is my lord, and the grave is his prison. What shall I say when my lord comes calling? What shall I say when he knocks on my door? What shall I say when his feet enter softly, leaving the marks of his grave on my floor? Enter, my lord. Come from your prison, come from your grave, for the moon is arisen. Well, that's kind really, of the point of it, isn't it? But uh, amazing, amazing, yeah. And I think the horror films work best when kids are involved, and the the adult is scared of the child. Yeah, yeah. All the way up to 2014 is the Babadook. Yeah, yeah. She's terrified of her own kid. Yeah. You know, and um, it's such a great dynamic to have within a film. The layers that come from it. Yeah. It, you don't, you just don't know where to, to put yourself when you've seen that because you don't know what, what you could do in that situation yourself. Mm. It just seems like an impossible situation to be able to deal with. Yeah, a she's, child. She's being terrorised. By a child. Yeah, by not only a child, but the. Night terrors, the the creepy noises, the bangs on the door. But I find it astonishing because a lot of f- films that have children in, uh, when outside of the horror, um, you always kind of know where the writers don't understand how children speak or how how they say things because they seem to just come up with things that a child wouldn't say. Mm. Classic example of that: James Cameron's Aliens, since when Newt kept on coming up with her amazing one-liners that a child would never say yeah um such as uh you know <laughs> there it goes <laughs> oh god god she said she they come out mostly at night mostly i know we, i get what you're saying though. oh you know what? i'm struggling because i know that there's more lines she says some profound things yeah. in that film that that obviously it's coming out of a writer's mouth not mm. a child and the beautiful thing about a, a child being possessed by an adult is that the writer doesn't have to worry about that. Yeah. Because it, it, it's all about the the child actually being able to deliver the lines. Yeah, I think like when you talk about sci-fi, you have to come from the perspective of what a kid would actually say. But in horror, you don't. No. Because what is creepy is the kid is saying stuff that a kid should not be saying. Exactly. That's my point. Yeah. That's my point. Thank you for re- re- recovering my... Uh, you're welcome my sloppy Gillespie pizza pie of, of an expression <laughs> um, so yeah um, Truman Capote writer um, budget was 430,000 that's astonishing 
It is, but what would 430,000 be now? Um, well, a lot. Because it wouldn't be. You could buy a house for fifty quid back in those days. Come on, <laughs> that's that's like fifty mortgages. Um, it only made one point two million. Well, it doubled its money back. I kind of get the feeling that that is quite a high budget film. Like I kind of feel like I, a lot of that money probably went to Truman Capote for writing. He was only he was only part of it. He wasn't the. Main writer. main writer no 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 he was he was a, a additional dialogue like yeah. you say he handled the uh, okay but there's a lot of lot of writers involved actually three writers sorry a lot a lot but you say that this um, the innocence paved way for this style of horror film the omen the exorcist oh well, I don't say the exorcist but I mean the um, the haunted house the the thing that you know is there but you don't see and uh, the creepiness, yeah. the build, the, the way it builds. In the haunting came about. Uh, the haunting uh, was that nineteen sixty three. So yeah, definitely the haunting came off the back of that film. Yeah, and um, no children in that one. I don't think. I think they're just young no, adults. I don't think so, yeah. yeah, but that that's um, the possessed house. They probably just felt inspired by the the mm. innocence. Um, yeah, the uh, the idea of of things being seen in the corner and then you flash back and there's nothing there yeah I love the, the the lady in the lake the lady in the lake yeah you know she looks and you can just see it in the distance a really creepy yeah. imagery yeah such a great film so I think that certainly does is a precursor to everything that, that kind of follows with horror film there seems to be like um, a 20 year recycle Yes. Do you know what I mean? So you'll get like twenty years. They don't do it immediately like they do with superhero films. Yeah, like like John Carpenter, like he would say that he's inspired by Hitchcock. But now, twenty years on, people say Number was inspired by John Carpenter. Do you oh, know what I see I mean? what you mean. Yeah, yeah, the actual influences. Yeah, the influences sort of like recycle themselves for where... horror. For horror, yeah. For horror, maybe sci-fi. Yeah, maybe to a certain extent. But I think that's probably because um, people who who are interested in horror as a genre for making film it's it's the most like I say when you're a student you get a camera the first thing you want to do is to make a horror film mm. that's all of the student films that we had apart from mine because I wanted to do film noir and I was in love with the film Chinatown at the time everybody wanted to do Friday the 13th Halloween that kind of thing mm. slasher slasher movies and I think that it's one of those things that, that if first time you get a camera you start to learn the craft and I think that with the horror convention you it's harder to sell right off the bat mm. so I think because it's such an accessible thing as a young adult to get into that they probably then kind of go into film school and then do the educational thing first yeah. before they come out at the other end and start to kind of get serious about it and, and realising that the thing that they love the most is that horror film that got them into it to yeah. begin with. I think it could just be a, a, a kind of a, a state of process. And yet, you know, you don't get kids growing up thinking, I'd very much like to make a Hallmark movie about a two loving couple who, who have problems. You don't do that. So therefore, there's a different pathway for people to get into that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but I, I kind of, you know... Yeah, well, yeah. You don't you, know you don't mean? remember the directors of Hallmark films, do you? They're not the sort of people that like you go. Oh, who made that? That was good. Yeah, but he really Santa fell in love with me. 
Santa fell in love with me too. Yeah. And uh, San- and the remake of Santa fell in love with me with 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 more obvious actors. Yeah. You know. But that's that's kind of what I'm what I'm saying is is that you know maybe it's or maybe it's just because that the horror genre is more transparent and obvious. And isn't it's one of those things where it it appears the director is almost more important than the actors. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like well, John Compass is releasing a new horror film. I've got to see that. Wes Craven's. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? But the actors generally tend to be starter-uppers because horror is a starter-upper genre mm. to go into serious stuff. Every yeah. actor, I mean, Johnny Depp was in uh, Freddy the Freddy, Freddy the Krueger. Yeah, Freddy the Krueger. <laughs> and um, Jamie Lee Curtis was in The the, the Halloween. Yeah, The um, Halloween. And Kurt Russell, of course. Um, Fox and the Hound I mean it's, yeah. horror is a kind of a, a thing that you kind of start off with it is but again Kurt Russell ended up being sort of um, his muse Carpenter's muse because he ended yeah. up using him for you know obviously we've got yeah. um, he was in Big Trouble Little China with him which is yes. completely different character than he is in the thing you know? yeah 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 because Kurt Russell is kind of a person who doesn't want to go and doing the same thing every time anyway no, 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 no. Yeah, I, I like that about him that he actually try different things. I like. I think Carol was a, a real talented. Again, guy. he's a character who, when I see him, I kind of think, "Oh man, he's we're safe. Good. Yes, we're good. Yeah, we're okay. Russell, yeah. We're, I'm on board. Yeah, absolutely. Look at me. I'm on board. <laughs> um, I've got my tray table in an upright position. I'm going. Um, <laughs> woo! So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, that um, the, the idea that innocence is definitely a, a groundbreaking film, and everybody mm. should watch it as a part of their education for film noir, dark horror. I mean, it's... stands up to this day. It's it's still yeah. very creepy. It's that, that, under your skin. Kid, that kid is the, mm. the girl. Not so much the, the the boy. The girl with it is the singing. Yes, but the kid. If you look at that performance at the end, when he is literally just possessed, and and he's manipulating her he's manipulating her saying all that and you yeah. know that is a performance yeah you don't yeah, just no, he's fantastic you don't just get any kid to do that it's a perfect film it is love it mm. so watch that film it is read good it's read good so what else can we talk about while we're here in beautiful Amateurville? Yeah, what's this fellow here? Yeah. He looks like an agreeable local bumpkin type. Hi, uh, can you tell us where the church is, Randy? Yeah, like, you know, it's a big pointy building with a spire on top. Please be quiet. Now we're going to examine the altar. And here's the crucifix. Must cross-check crucifix against video footage. Deacon, what we saw up there was not normal was not normal. As I was walking down by the Royal
is called Borderlands. Borderlands, yeah. Which I think is an interesting film. It's based on um, a priest has basically said there's miracles happening in this church and the Vatican send a team to, um, to research the, this alleged miracle. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a point of view, sort of POV style filmmaking, Blair Witch style filmmaking. Yeah, found footage. Yeah, found yeah. footage thing, which people would say is getting old, but I kind of enjoy it I, as a genre of filmmaking. I, um, when done right. Yeah, when, when done right. And I think that's the thing. I think people lean to it because uh, they think that it's a inferior form of filmmaking that there isn't a lot of skill involved mm. um so but like you say if done right if if you are if you're able to watch a film like that and actually not be aware that the that the cameras are not quite how they're supposed to be like they were in the in um apollo 18 yeah like they were in the, that the, was a dreadful the film. honeymoon fi- film uh, not the honeymoon film the uh, the wedding video i don't know if you've seen that one no i've not seen that awful was it Rufus Howe was it Rufus something was in it and, uh, the yeah. comedian uh, I don't think it's, is he a comedian is it him the comedian he always has like a moustache that comes down whatever. kind of I think it's him yeah he's a good comedian but it, it, the film's about to be about a man who's, who's um, his ex-wife is, is marrying and he's the best man at the wedding and he's, he's going to video it and it's basically about him ruining the wedding Right, but okay. he, he's basically it's a found it's a it's not a found footage because nobody done but it's just a um he does a video throughout the whole thing but then you kind of start to get a, a bit of an omnipotent uh, camera angles that mm. don't seem to make sense and everything seems to be conveniently placed and the the thing is the characters on and the film have to be blissfully unaware that the cameras are there otherwise it'll they'll be constantly saying just turn it off turn it off yeah. Um, well, but in Borderlands, they kind of got used to the cameras quite easily because it was a part of the investigation. It was a part of their process. And luckily, yeah, the Vatican has said we we want every little thing filmed to see if any, yeah. documents to see if anything that happens. So there were these kind of head cameras, which yeah. then gets away from the angle that you would say in Cloverfield. Put down the damn camera. Yeah, you don't yeah. need it. Put it down because they don't have to because it's attached to the head. Yeah. Exactly. That's a clever move. It is a clever, a clever move, and I think that uh, um, films like Cloverfield had the challenge to kind of try and figure out how to make it. I mean, every single step of the way, so how can we, how can we justify the camera being in this scene? Mm. Whereas this one, it's all set up specifically for that purpose. Yeah. And um, and I think luckily, the the characters uh, are real characters. Yeah. You've got the um, the tech guy who is annoying and is like pretty much every tech guy I've ever met in my life, and um, full of it, full yeah. of it, full of himself, uh, blissfully unaware of how obnoxious he is. Yeah, yeah. And um, he's a real character. There's people out there like him, you know. And then you've got the actual weathered researcher, yeah, the Irish bloke, and it, you know he's he was been... quite. Um... Yeah, it's quite a refreshing character actually mm. to see uh, somebody who is a little, little you know he kind of balanced it. Yeah, he was the balance between the two characters and the more likable one mm. between the two. Oh yeah, definitely. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm not afraid to say that I I found the tech guy really annoying and I wanted to punch him. <laughs> it's kind of the point of the character, I think, though. You know, he um, exactly. <laughs> the, the amount of tech guys who are like that. 
And do you know what I think it was? I think that he as a character realised that, uh, you know, I think he, he plays to the cameras. He mm. plays to the cameras, so he wanted to be switched on all the time. He didn't want to be boring or subdued. He wanted to cut, kind of constantly make jokes, um, bad ones too, which are very hard to write bad <laughs> jokes. I think, I think when you're a good writer, <laughs> it's very hard to write bad jokes. But this is another yeah. film that, like, when they go to the church, the church is really creepy. Mm, and they yeah. deal with that well, I think. Very isolated as well. As yeah. There's nothing around it. Just but apart from animals, and that's and it. And kids with hoodies. <laughs> kids with hoodies. Yeah, that that was my favourite scene. I'm sorry, but my favourite scene was when he turned around, went back to that hoodie, and clocked him one because it, it kind of made me think, "Wow, that's everybody's wanted to do that." Well, there's a scene in it where they're they're, they're in the house, and then they hear the sheep like crying, so they run out oh, into the God, field, yeah. and they find the sheep that's on fire. So they put he puts the sheep out and then he, he does a mercy killing, doesn't he? The Irish yeah, the yeah. Irish bloke and the tech guy. I think that's when things start to get a bit real for the tech guy because he yeah. can't believe he's just done that. So we, you know, um, so later on they've come back from the church. They've had a few drinks and um, as they're walking, they're walking past all these hoodies and all the hoodies go yeah to you know provoke him and he just walks over and lamps him it's brilliant yeah. it's a great scene the reaction from the kids as well is like you know one of them just just watched it thinking I'm not going to get involved oh my god that just happened and mm. it was great it was a really good clock but what's good about yeah. introducing these hoodies and obviously well the, the hoodies doing something very extreme yeah that when um, the archbishop has said there's nothing going on here yeah. we're, we're leaving tomorrow and the Irish guy is convinced there's something going on he goes back on his own at that point, the the um, there's sort of the vicar who was saying that there was um, uh, like uh, miracles happening at this church has subsequently killed himself, hasn't he? He, he sort of jumps off the steeple. Yeah. So as he's walking in the dark back to the the, to the chapel, he keeps seeing the cloak of the vicar, and he's he's actually shouting out to him, you know, because he's called um, Kriggle, Kriggle, was it? Oh, do you know what? When he when he said Krilly, saying, Krilly, I kept thinking he was saying Father Krilly. Father saying, Krilly, exactly. It's not Krilly; it's Kriggle, but it must have been yeah, done I, on purpose. I thought he was because uh, when he actually arrived in the town, he, he said to that um, town bumpkin, "He said we're looking for Father Krilly," and I thought, <laughs> "Father Ted reference." Okay, you can give up now. <laughs> you can stop doing that, tech guy. Um, but then apparently it was something like that, Krilly, or yeah, yeah but. Um, yeah, there we go. But that it was, was a great thing because once was his name. But when he actually finds the um, the father's father Kriggles or whatever his name was, Krilly. Yeah, why don't I just call him Father Krilly? Yeah, all right, <laughs> Father Krilly. Yeah. When he finds it, he, he blames it on the kids. He thinks it's just the kids messing around, yeah, yeah, not yeah. some paranormal thing. But that helps. I think that it, it helps us because you know we want we want to have that division of, of is it happening, is it not happening, mm. and what is happening is always the question because we don't know. We know that it's more than just, you know, a possessed church. Yes. But we don't know what that is. And and to, to kind of a, say straight away, spoilers, I mean, do we want to tell them or should we kind of, what we think? I think, yeah, I think spoilers. Yeah, so yeah. If, if you haven't watched the film, watch it now. Because what really is a serviceable horror film that plays on the paranormal activity style of filmmaking where you've got locked off cameras, you see you see different cuts, like you see obviously the Christ being crucified, 
thing falls down you see things moving you bangs and it's all been done before yeah it's all been done before and actually the the falling of the Christ figure marry, uh, marries up with the image of the falling priest of the tower as well though they kind of very they happened pretty much in, in the same they did yeah that's right yeah, yeah. so there is they, they, they did use kind of like the the, the symbolism mm. there. coincidental yeah. yeah but we sort of find out that this church has been built on a pagan uh, was it a pagan temple yes yes and uh, a lot of it plays on the idea that um, paganism and Catholicism you know Catholicism took a lot of ideas from paganism yeah and um, I think that's it. Start. It's not really discussed, but it's approached a little bit. It's subtly yeah. approached within the film. Mm, yeah. But yeah. How, what is a serviceable film? And it's got some decent scares. Nothing you haven't seen before. The ending is like nothing you have ever seen before. Yeah, because it takes on a. It, it's a completely different beast, and I'm not saying that lightly. Yeah. Because I, I because once they got down there. I, I kind of had to look at the corner of the screen because I thought I'm gonna, they're going to throw something at me any moment now and I'm going to be off guard and I don't like being off guard I like to be prepared for my scares yeah. um, but then I don't <laughs> so yeah, there's you mean, parts in it because yeah. you you, you're only seeing what they're seeing they've got a torch and it reminded me of the scene in Twin Peaks Firewalk with me when they're going through the, the woodland and all mm. you're seeing is the torch going about and you can yeah. just see you're literally only seeing what they can see it's like playing a computer game yeah, it, to me, it's it, like you know that fear when you have when you're walking around a computer game and yeah. you don't know what's going to come out. What happens? The uh, the researcher, the Irish researcher, he finds uh, behind a bookcase a doorway. Yeah, and he he's about to go down there where he hear, and then it, but then he hears loads of noises and shouting coming from coming from the stairway, and it basically scares the hell out of him. <coughs> he runs back home, and behind um, there's three of them. You got the tech guy. The researcher, and then this archbishop, who's a, yeah, who comes later on a plane, yeah, and he's an yeah. obnoxious, oh, the guy with the glasses on. Oh, the first one. Yeah, he's just oh, a bishop. I, I think, didn't like him he, at all. He's an obnoxious. And I, I felt that he was a very wooden character and a very wooden performance. They could I have didn't... played more on that because there was a point, wasn't it, when he actually rings up the Vatican to say, yeah. "Does something literally happen here?" And then you just see the other, the bishop, sat in the dark in the kitchen. Yeah. It could have worked more on him, but I think the filmmakers might have seen that like he's not very good. He's not a very good actor, so we'll not I use him much. I didn't like. I, I kind of I saw that and I thought, well, he's kind of throwing me a little bit out of the film, but I don't care because yeah. But that's probably why they got rid of him. Maybe he was supposed to. Maybe they they, they fired him. I don't know. It just didn't. It seemed as though that he left the film and the arch the bigger guy came in with the big white hair. Yeah, because um, there was a strange scene where you don't even see they him couldn't, go. They couldn't wake him up. Yeah, look at his ear and blood has come out of his ear. Yeah. And they said, I'll just leave him. Just leave him. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it, it doesn't reek of being bad filmmaking. It reeks of thinking, oh, we've introduced this guy and I really don't like him, but I can't really cut him yeah, out of the film. Yeah, exactly. It's like having a TV series and, and having a character that you can't do anything with, mm. so you just basically write him out the story. Yeah. I think that they did that with this character. I feel as though they wrote him out and pulled somebody else in and said, well, I'll, I'll finish... I'll finish the part off that he did. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll be well. Yeah, we want him. He's better because mm. he he plays off the obnoxious ideas and you know, or, unless he the actor quit himself and because you don't actually see him leave as well. No. Because at the they, end, when they go back to the church yeah. with the archbishop, 
who's going to do a ceremony, isn't he, yeah, to sort of cleanse yeah. the church. Um, he's still he's there. The obnoxious bishop, he's there at the yeah. time. At the very end, he's there. All right, okay. But I think, but when he's um, he's, he's giving because you don't remember he says, oh, it's not even a Christian. He's not even doing a Christian sermon. Hmm. He's doing something else. And then obviously, whatever the demon is that dwells there, sort of does. There's a huge sort of smash, isn't there? And uh, yeah. they all end up on the floor. And the archbishop goes down that corridor, and that makes the uh, tech guy and the Irish. Uh, sort of research, you have to go down there and find them. Which, and that's why they end up in this underground sort of pagan temple. That's what, what's bizarre is that you know at any moment they could have just said, "Okay, we'll just wait for him to come back." But uh, then they, they felt. I mean, I, I, I can understand why the um, the the one that we like. What was his name? Dexter. I think so. Daryl, Denver. Data analyzing. Um, it's called the final prayer in in America. Um, Deacon. 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 Of course, it was Deacon. Yeah, Deacon. That's why, because he's Scottish. He's not Irish. He's Scottish. Scottish Deacon. And of course, called Deacon. Deacon, Deacon, Deacon Brody. Deacon Brody. Deacon Blue. Um, so yeah, Deacon goes down there, but the other guy, um, Gray, doesn't shouldn't doesn't need to, but he ends up going down there as well. And even the though he's guy. the tech guy, I don't. Think, yeah, I, I don't see why he went down there. Okay. Me, I'll me tell you why you're going down there. Yeah. Because some huge paranormal event has just happened. Okay. Are you going to stay in your own in that church? Or are you going to go down and strength in numbers, my friend? Strength in numbers. They're going down there to get to the Archbishop and get out of there. Maybe he thinks that it's that easy. That it's just going to be a room and that's it. But because, but that's the amazing thing. It's like he's being pulled. It's almost as if he's being threaded in. And he's like, well, they keep he's saying, like I don't want to be here, but I'm still going. Yeah. It's almost as if there's a pulling for him and, but, and they keep seeing the archbishop don't they the like, the, and, the yeah. yeah and it's like at the bottom of the corridor so they have to squeeze down a corridor and then he's not there and they'll see him move again and they're trying to run saying come back what are you doing what are you doing yeah. Yeah. so let's get to it the end of the film they end up going into this like tight uh, tight enclosed um, yeah it's almost like a small cave yeah it's like a small it's cave kind of a rounded cave it's kind yeah, of yeah and then what happens he they get to it and it's it's closed off at the end but it's like a hole that sort of breathes a little bit and they're saying oh it's a, it's a it's a dead end we need to turn around so they turn around and they like say and then the tech guy's like oh this is closed in closed in we're closed and then like acid starts dripping on which i'm thinking is um like stomach acid, stomach acid that starts to devour them starts yes. to um consume Burn them skin. Yeah. yeah yeah so we sort of they've literally gone into the belly of the beast that what they've gone into is actually a, a demon There's uh, a, 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 yeah. a, a some sort of beast that basically feed eats them consumes devours them, them devours them the sacrifice and the cycle of of uh of ritual is complete yet again yes and i have never in my life seen a film end like that yes we might have to watch the wicker man just to kind of see how, how you know because it's it's the films about sacrifice could be quite an interesting one because this one is yeah. very uh, i haven't I, mean, I i sat there and i thought what is going on and my brain couldn't quite get around it mm. i couldn't quite get around it i thought hang on are they in some sort of a kiln yeah and that they're, they're, they're being pumped in, in I, I thought they were literally in an oven 
to begin with and they were being they were going to be start bursting into flames and get cremated but no that this is this and then it kind of just dawned on me they are inside they're inside a, the, a stomach of something we don't know what it, yeah and it's is incredible the, the, it is it just made what was it justified uh, yeah what well, made a, de- a decent workable found footage horror film into something that my god I would not I, wow I'm not I'm, now I'm guessing that the signal that they were had wasn't wasn't actually recorded on the device that that, that the data was actually being sent live onto a recorder yeah because, I, I, because it the, doesn't matter Okay, all right, all right. I don't okay. think you need to think too much about that. How okay. Because if you do that, you're going to drive yourself crazy. Yeah. Okay. I don't care about the possible technical uh, flaws, but because uh, because it, it yeah it sold the idea of it being wireless. They didn't have a. Yeah. I mean, if imagine if they had a clunky camcorder, it probably would have been dropped nearby. We would have just seen a static. Image. Yeah. If you think about that, they're in a church in the middle of nowhere. There doesn't seem to be any electricity working in the church, but somehow they can plug those lights in and have radios working and. I do have a question, actually. The Blair Witch. Yes. How many days were they away for in the Blair Witch? Were they lost for? Uh, it was like five days, is it? Four or five days? Right. Their batteries lasted. Yes. I'm surprised mm. that for five days that they were constantly recording everything that happened to them. Yeah. And their batteries. That's That's my only question about that one we, I'd like to do one on Blair Witch yeah maybe it's but, a really good yeah, film yeah definitely um, yeah but we, we'll uh, we'll kind of spread our horror things out in between things I think that's I think it's a good way of doing it yeah I just like we how we love horror we, we do love horror. we love film sci-fi we love comedy <laughs> yeah we love I mean we love yeah we probably you know we should actually uh, challenge ourselves and make ourselves do chick flicks just once no, no. It'll be a solo okay. podcast. <laughs> I'll be on my own. I'll be called Frame By. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, just By Frame. Yeah, By Frame. By yeah. Frost. By Frame. Okay, so yeah, I'm I'm really impressed with Borderlands. You should definitely watch it. And, yeah. Um, well, I, just, I'm, I know we just spoiled the ending for you, but really... If you hadn't watched I've it seen, already, then you're an idiot. I'll put seen, it on the poster. Watch it. Or you're an idiot. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it twice now, and that ending is still. Even if you know what's going to happen, it still just takes you by surprise because you just can't believe they would have they've thought of that. That you go because it's done so well. They do go through some tight caves, and it's almost descent like claustrophobia. Yeah, yeah. And then, but done they're so in well. The stomach of something. I wonder how it would how things would have happened if this film was not made for for British audiences. I mean, Mark Kermode loved it. He did. He, he absolutely did. loved it, and he actually stood there. Not he wasn't able to actually describe it because he couldn't. It was because it was this thing that you couldn't quite describe. And I'm, until now, I actually haven't been able to describe it myself. But what? How would would have it been made if if Michael Bay made this movie? Oh, <laughs> oh, God. You knew it was coming. We've got to end on this. Come on. Do I have to do one? Yeah, okay, Michael Bay. Right, okay. Borderlands. Borderlands. By Michael Bay. Um, we're on the border of Mexico and America. So we're literalising the metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Mark Wahlberg plays an FBI agent <laughs> who's tasked with literally murdering the devil 
the devil is hiding on the border of Mexico and America in this little cave. Um, not in a church. Not in a church. In a religion, cave. religion is not good for Michael. Bay. No, Michael Bay doesn't like that. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to offend his right his right wing maybe Christian. Maybe it's a whorehouse. Strip strip joint. Strip joint, perfect. The devil lives in the catacombs under a strip joint. Mark Wahlberg is the FBI agent that goes there um, to literally murder the devil in the strip joint. There's Tia Leone wearing nothing. Um, and then um, Megan Fox is there wearing Again, nothing. For that reason. But you don't really see a face. The camera just stays on a, on a bum okay. constantly throughout. Um, Will Smith and Martin Lawrence are the, um, the, the quirky characters that run the strip joint great who have got Mark Wilbur to come in um, the devil is being played by Will Smith's son Jaden Smith yes and the um, they have a fight with the devil with dildos <laughs> and he ends up murdering the devil by literally putting a huge dildo up his bum that goes into all his internal organs and he dies okay, okay and he just bursts he just bursts yeah into yeah. money and Pepsi cans <gasps> He literally combusts out and it's just Coca-Cola cans and Pepsi cans and anything else he wants to whore himself out of. <laughs> that is amazing! <laughs> that, is, that is actually quite a plausible Michael Bay film. There's, seen, there's fast cars as well. They have to, when they get to the, I think when they drive into the strip joint. Ferrari, yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, that, that'll be the, 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 the there'll be like a, 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 a huge ch- car chase for no reason whatsoever yeah. it'll just be like smashes people yeah. by it, but literally no reason for it yeah he causes mayhem mayhem <laughs> <laughs> and people die and then he just arrives at the strip joint there's literally no point no reason <laughs> that's just yeah, that's the first hour do you know he's doing um, a film about the Afghan war. Yeah, I heard this. Because yeah. I, I put a post on my friend right, on Facebook yeah, about yeah. it. I despair. I would, I'll have to watch it, but I just, I can't see. You like know, we're we, we talk, working with reality. We talk about yeah. American Sniper only yeah. really seeing one part. You're seeing the sort of the American point of view of it, not really going to the, yeah. the Iraq. Do you think Michael Bay will give both parts a equal I measure? I don't know how he's going to be able to film arses. Um, in, in a, a film like that yeah I mean unless he gets right under the burka <laughs> that's what the film would be called right under the burka <laughs> right there yeah. under the burka but um, yeah um, the, the funny thing the funny thing about um, Hollywood at the moment is that they, they are gun happy in titles The Gunman yeah another film um, American Sniper. American Sniper. I mean, gun, Two. gun yeah, uh, yeah, resurrection. Um, you know, I, it's just odd that they can't leave the guns alone. It's like it's like a child being told to stop playing with it; it will fall off. Um, I'm just that just literally can't... happened to me. Yeah, yeah. Did I played it? with it too much; it just fell off. Got gangrenous and fell off. <laughs> I'm not ending there. No, we're no, not ending there. But I'm, I'm okay. I'm happy with your Michael Bay film. I'm happy with the films that we've looked at. I'm very disappointed that the uh, paranormal investigation group that was supposed to be joining us tonight on this thing never turned up. Apparently, they we're had, in America. They and we're British, in, so yeah. they'll turn up at the end. Ding dong. <laughs> yeah. One thing, okay. uh, just, yeah. just to end on, how long have we been going for? Uh, one hour and um, nineteen seconds. But that might that's be good for us. Yeah. Um, 
the remake of Amitable Horror? Because obviously we have Amitable, we've had Amitable 2, The Possession, Amitable 3, Amitable 4, Dollhouse, it was a Dollhouse of the Yeah, the, which is, uh, you know... You know, I, I've seen them all, and they're all workable, yeah. ghost, spooky films. They and just then, do it, they just do it, and it's like, whatever. Let's find out if Mike, let's bring this full circle, did Michael Bay's production company do the remake of Amitable Horror? Let's put the two things together produced by Michael Bay look at that Brand Fuller. right there we go ladies and gentlemen I can't believe we actually had a legitimate reason to mention Michael Bay there you go ladies he and gentlemen he produced a remake of The Amitable Horror which didn't need doing and is a very bad film so there we go it's not good at all it's all in your face nothing subtle about it just like well, Michael Bay is I mean, look at the, the poster. I mean, he looks like a tiny man and the house is staggeringly huge. And he seems to be standing in between a pair of legs. <laughs> <sighs> Michael Bay. I'm... No, you're not, ending, you're not ending on the words, Michael Bay. So, well, yeah, we've gone full circle for once. <laughs> there we go. Circle. And I think we actually made a poignant point of view there. It's very touching. Yeah, I let's feel let, I'm gonna. I'm welling up. As let's get out of Amityville. There's nothing here for us. So, if you want to contact us, we've got you can email us on framebyframe78 at gmail dot com. You can go to the website at www.roastedportions.com Yeah, interested about www. It's easy to say World Wide Web than it is to say www. Or triple W. W. Triple W. It's like that's three George Bushes. <laughs> Bloody hell, that's some of the world's soul he doesn't need. So, um, keep it spooky, people. We've got, what's our SoundCloud? Frame by Frame 2. Yes. Someone um, else on SoundCloud was Frame by Frame. Frame, by frame. Not bad. Yeah, Frame by Frame 2. Yeah. So we have the sequel. Yes, uh, Facebook is... Um, frame by Frame 78. Of course it is. Frame because, by frame 78. because the other 77 were there before us. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's like Airport 77. But yeah, yeah. Um, enjoy our other podcasts. Uh, the last one we did uh, before this one was uh, comedy. St- yeah, UK stand-up comedy. And um, next week will be the um, comedy of the um, of America. Yeah. I think. And, um, or unless we think of something else we want to talk about, we'll talk about that. You never know. Okay, so please enjoy everything that uh, we do. And uh, if, if, by the way, if you are on the Facebook page. We do say more things in the, about film. Um, yeah. There is also the blog. WordPress, which, frame by frame, is it? That's the one. And uh, well done for remembering. And um, yeah, there will be, be occasional extras on there, um, should we forget to say anything. Yeah, and there's, um, go, there's a frame by frame YouTube page, which I might do a few things with. Yes, yeah, we'll, we'll hopefully be... be uh, like, stepping up our production value. Yeah, well, I just think it might be nice to put just use that for just little weird videos that we might do, yeah. and then use the roasted portions for the more gritty, all the proper frame by frame stuff. Yes, and and as we're talking about possession horror films today, I'd like to kind of uh, plug our own film. Yeah. C A C O three. C A C O three, which is the uh, chemical compound for chalk. Uh, Chalkface, um, that is also on the uh, YouTube channel, or you can actually find that at roastedportions.com as well. Yep. Um, Andy acts in it. I do. And I fumble around in the dark without <laughs> with any eyes on. with a mask on in it. And um, uh, Stephen yeah. directed it. It's a and, and I edited it. 
I yeah. think it's very well edited. You'll be impressed with that. Yeah, it's, it's very well directed. Well done. Well done, you. Well done, you. And it's a sh- it's a short film, so it won't last too long. Um, We've been trying to get it into some um, festivals, but people have said it's not quick enough. Not, not so, really. it doesn't. Where, where's the boobs and the Michael Bay stuff? Because it's a slow burner. Yeah, and yeah. that's kind of the point of it. So I'd really like feedback on it, please. Yeah, we, we would love some feedback. And if you think it's it's uh, it needs improving, or it's twenty four minutes long, so it won't take a look. It's shorter than this podcast. Yeah, and one person who I took it to a festival with said to me, "Can you get it down to four minutes?" Four minutes. Four minutes. I'm like, well, yeah, I'll do a trailer. Plus again, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Anyway, signing off. Thank you very much for listening. Bye bye. Shall I stop it there? <laughs>